SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I am your host, Georgia Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty, Brian Stone. Uh, joined once again this week by Georgia State writer for Underdog Dynasty, Zeke Palermo. Uh, Zeke, we had a lot of really close games, uh, some surprisingly close mm-hmm. uh, this week. I thought it was a really competitive week uh, for Sunbelt teams for the most part. Yeah, looking up and down, I mean, pretty much everything but... Uh one or two games were really close, so it was it was a good good slate of games. I'm uh, real excited to talk about them. So let's get into uh, one of the games that wasn't so close. Uh, last Thursday, uh, Georgia Southern traveled to uh, Lafayette uh, to take on the Cajuns. Uh, Louisiana uh, came away with the 36-17 win over Georgia Southern. I pretty much summed up all of my thoughts in the recap for that game. Um, you know, the tweet I sent out said, uh, Georgia Southern's defense makes me wonder why I enjoy watching football. Like it's, we're having like a, uh, a full reflection moment uh, because this defense is so bad that it makes me question, like, do I enjoy watching this sport? Really? Deep down. Um, I, I don't know, man, like without rehashing, I don't have a lot to say uh, on the defensive side of the ball without rehashing things that I've said the last couple weeks and pretty much all season. Um, They just didn't look – I mean, the defense is terrible. I'll just throw it out there. But offensively and just as as like energy from a team goes, the Eagles look like they didn't expect to have to play this game until an hour before it started. And Louisiana, I mean – took advantage of a huge second quarter. Uh, they outscored, you know, Georgia Southern, uh, you know, 20 to zero in that quarter uh, when it was tied seven to seven uh, starting the second quarter. At halftime, it's 27 to seven Cajuns, and the game's essentially over from there. Um, yeah, it, it was an ugly performance. And, um, you know, it, it, it to me seems like the Eagles as a team are just sort of ready for the season to be over with, to be totally mm-hmm. honest. Um, and Louisiana, I mean, credit to them, ha- you know, showed a lot of fight. Uh, they had struggled the last couple weeks against uh, uh, teams like Troy and Southern Miss, losing those games. So, you know, every win that DeSormo and, and company can pick up at this point is kind of a feather in their cap, uh, knowing that this is sort of just going to be a building year for them. But... Yeah, I I said it last week. I mean, I I think I think I'm at the point um, with Georgia Southern's defense that I don't care if any of the players or any of the coaches on the defensive side of the ball return. Mm-hmm. And I from the from the mentions that I got from other Georgia Southern fans during the game, that seems to start that seems to start being the sentiment like with the fans as well is that. They're just so poorly prepared every week and don't really give a ton of effort that it's it's got to be a top-down thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's just time to clean house and start over in 2023. No, I don't have a ton to add, obviously. I mean, this is your game, so you touched on it. But um, I, I am curious. I noticed that uh, Van Trees, it felt like he was peppering a bunch of different guys throughout the game, uh, which was – I don't want to say abnormal, but I feel like Southern usually has two or three guys carrying the brunt of that load. And I'm looking up and down and I'm seeing, you know, 10, maybe 12 guys that with uh, catches that game. And I'm curious if that is something that just came out of playing the backups or if that was a uh, an intentional decision. Well, uh, a couple weeks ago when they were on the bye, they f- Georgia Southern found out that Amari Jones, one of their better receivers, was going to be out for the year. Uh, yep. He had some sort of internal injury. Um, they've been searching for a third option behind Caleb Hood and Derwin Burgess. And even Caleb Hood to this point has been really the only consistent receiver on this team because 
Burgess, you'll get one good week, and then the next week he'll have two catches for 21 yards, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's just it, – it it's become like a thing where, you know, they, they lose – uh, one receiver, Sam Kennerson, in the season opener uh, for the year. I think he tore his ACL. Or no, he yeah, he tore his ACL against Nebraska, I think. So that was game two. Um, they're, they're just beat up in the receiver room, and they're just looking for anybody to catch the football at this point. Gotcha. Um, so offensively, it's really hard to for them to – and again, they, they did not do a good job. They didn't seem like they had any energy. They, they seemed like – you remember when they played Georgia State earlier this season? They just seemed flat. Yeah. They just were like, it, it, they make a mistake, they kind of just shrug and walk to the sideline. Like, there's no, like, hey, guys, like, we're going to fix this. And, you know, it just seems, and this is kind of what was kind of the same thing. Like, defensively, the, the team never shows any energy, so I'm not surprised. But offensively, for them to just sort of go down by 20 at halftime and then just be, like, kind of shrugging and walking around and being like, eh whatever just makes mm-hmm. me think that they're sort of just ready for the season to be over, which is fine with me at this point. If they lost their next two games and didn't make a bowl game, I'd be totally fine with it. It's one less game for me to have to watch. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like I said, credit to uh, Louisiana. Uh, they had three running backs, Chris Smith, Draylon Washington and Terrence Williams all take advantage of Georgia Southern's terrible front seven uh, and run defense. Uh, ben Wooldridge was he was good, but he was just sort of, you know, it, it was a lot of play action and, and rollouts and stuff like that. And he he did take advantage of sort of what was given. But, um, yeah, like just a an absolute zero all around effort for uh, Georgia Southern. I think it's, like I said, time for them to go back to the, the drawing board, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so, yeah, with this, uh, Louisiana moves to five and five this season, three and four in Sunbelt play. Georgia Southern drops to five and five and is now two and four in the conference. Um, so let's get into Saturday's slate of games. Uh, Georgia State is upset by UL Monroe. Um, Quay Drake uh, returns a an interception, uh, 34 yards for the score with six minutes to go in regulation to, to essentially, you know, win this game for the Warhawks. Yep. Zeke, what what was it like? Why why do you think Georgia's Georgia State sort of couldn't you know make a make another run at it here in the fourth quarter? Uh, I mean, this is a problem going back to last season and possibly even before, where this team is just pretty say pretty very good in the first half. Uh, I mean, there was a stretch of four drives where uh, Georgia State scored three touchdowns in four drives. Um, so it's not like this team is, you know, super poor, but they have an inability or show an inability to finish games. Um, and, uh, you mentioned the pick six. There is also a block punt that ULM took for a, a touchdown as well, which reflects, same uh, guy. yeah, same guy. Quay Drake had himself a, a great, uh, day in terms of just like, you know, making big plays uh when he doesn't have the ball so congratulations to him but for georgia state this is just a matter of goes back to last season where they've just been unable to finish games for the longest time and as mentioned the punt uh block touchdown they've had you know questionable special teams play as well so this is also one of those games where if you just look at the the stats you would have never thought in a million years that Georgia State would a only have twenty eight points and b have lost this game when you look at ULM's total yardage. Mm-hmm. Did, did you? I mean, I guess clearly the offense didn't execute enough to win this game, but to only allow three hundred total yards to ULM and to lose when you have five hundred and thirty five offensive yards, what was the what was sort of the key issue here? I really, it's hard to blame a game on two plays, but I mean, Georgia State scored 28. You, you should be able to win a football game if you score 28. If you take the 14 points away that ULM got from the, the kicks or the block punt and the pick six, like I really do, you can't blame a game on two plays. 
but you take those scores off and ULM only has, what is that? 31 minus 14 makes 17 offensive points, you know? So uh, as surface level as it sounds, I, I really do have to point to those two plays and say, if these don't happen, you're winning uh, by at least a touchdown. Yeah. So, you know, the crazy thing is too, like when you look through the box score here, UL Monroe, nobody really had a game that stands out. Mm -hmm. Um, Chandler Rogers didn't play overly well, 225 yards and an interception. Uh, They didn't run the ball very effectively. Um, Tyrone Howell was the only receiver for the, the Warhawks that had over 50 yards receiving game. Um, and then Georgia State, I mean, Darren Granger, yeah, he had the pick six, but he threw for 349 and a touchdown. Uh, they had Marcus Carroll go for 100 yards on the ground. Granger chipped in another 50 on the ground. He had 400 yards of total offense by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is going to be one of those games that, I mean, we, we've talked about the ceiling under uh, Sean Elliott, but this is going to be one of those types of games that haunts the Panthers, especially if if they don't win out, you know, for some reason, and they they miss out on a bowl game, especially this is going to be brutal. Um, and you, the last the last thing I wanted to add, you, you mentioned, oh, you, if you score twenty eight, it should be enough to win a game. I'm like Zeke, you wouldn't have survived being a Georgia Southern. <laughs> no, I know. I, I if we're thinking, you know, football holistically, uh, twenty eight should be enough to win a game, but. It, especially in this conference, that doesn't tend to be the case. No. Uh, so yeah, UL Monroe uh, with a the Quadrate game is, is how mm-hmm. this will will go down to be known. I assume uh, UL Monroe improves to four and six this season. Three and three in Sunbelt play. Georgia State drops to four and six and three and three in in Sunbelt play. Um, getting into this next game here, just an absolute domination as James Madison just bullies old dominion in i guess what is the sunbelt battle for virginia uh a 37 to 3 final score uh the the funny thing about this is Sinteo, you know didn't play I, I mean he was efficient throwing the ball but like it wasn't like he was lighting you know old dominion up and yeah. they sort of just got sort of a full team effort where you know, they didn't have a, ru- a single rusher go over 100 yards, but everybody sort of chipped in. Centeo was uh, was good. Like I said, he was efficient, but he, he didn't, you know, throw for any touchdowns. Um, but like I said, just an absolute domination. Uh, they get a pick six as well. Um, and uh, once again, Old Dominion is just tough to watch on the uh, offensive side of the ball. Ollie Jennings, the third uh, didn't play in this game. I assume he's, he's out with an injury and you see what their team looks like when they don't have him out wide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll talk about this uh, as we get to one of the other games. Uh, Don't want to spoil, but um, this is the impact of having your guy under center. Uh, That's the kind of impact that it has on a team because Everyone just plays with a little bit more confidence. Everybody plays with a little bit more pep in their step. And, I mean, this game looked like, I mean, the JMU that started the season. Um, Old Dominion, I mean, just didn't get anything moving offensively. You mentioned the two interceptions from Wolf and then another by Clark. But, I mean, even early in the game before those picks, I think uh, their first four or five drives were uh, ended in punt or turnover on down. So it's just like Old Dominion couldn't get the engine moving, and that's kind of been their biggest issue all season. But, I mean, for JMU, it's just it proves how invaluable having that guy, whether it be in Centeo or whoever your quarterback is, having that guy under center is just invaluable, especially at the collegiate level. Yeah, especially when you put Billy Atkins in for one pass attempt and it ends up being intercepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really you know, typifies <laughs> yeah. how important it is that Centeo plays uh, and and how much better the team looks, even, uh, even on both sides of the ball um, than it did a couple weeks ago with, with Atkins starting. Um, but yeah, uh, Hayden Wolf, just a tough performance, 112 and two picks. 
he didn't really have any receivers help him out in this one. Um, Blake Watson didn't really help him out running the football. Um, they couldn't run. They couldn't throw. I mean, James Madison's defense just had them the old dominion offense in a straight jacket. It felt like, uh, for this game. And, uh, yeah, like I said, running the ball was a real team effort for James Madison. Aguier Obese, uh, finished with 82 yards and a score. He was the leading rusher for the game. Kalon black chipped in 56 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, Chris Thornton was the leading receiver for James Madison with 140 yards. Yeah. Just, just a good team win from top to bottom for James Mm -hmm. Madison. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, how they can't go to the Sun Belt title game, which I mean, is it wasn't going to happen anyway with the way that Coastal has sort of emerged from, you know, the hole that they were in following the old Dominion loss. But yeah, it's it's always good to, uh, like I said, pick up pick up that elusive, you know, full team win. Um, so James Madison improves to six and three and four and two in conference play. Old Dominion drops to three and seven and is now two and four in the Sun Belt. Uh, it's it's really hard to think or really hard to believe that a couple weeks ago Old Dominion beat Coastal and was sitting square in first in the East and has now taken four straight conference losses and is, you know, closer to <laughs> closer to the bottom than anybody yeah. at this point. You can uh, call them beginners luck as they, you know, got introduced in the new conference. They just... I mean, over the past, I mean, over the past four weeks, they've just been really, really offensively stagnant. And if that that's something you got to sort out, obviously you're not making a bowl game, and but you got to sort that out pretty quickly because I mean, over the past three weeks, they've put up twenty points total. Yeah, that's it's really tough. Um, so getting into this next game, you want to talk about another game that was probably closer than everybody would have expected. I mean, including Mm -hmm. us uh, and probably closer than Arkansas state would have liked for sure. Uh, Arkansas state barely holds off, you know, perennial FBS joke UMass uh, for a 35, 33 win. This one came down to literally the final, uh, you know, couple seconds of the game where UMass scores a touchdown with 18 seconds to go down eight and goes for two to tie it and doesn't get the two-point conversion, and that's pretty much the ball game. But, you know, UMass outplayed Arkansas State by pretty much any metric you can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, they had almost double the yardage. Uh, they did have two turnovers, which was their one Achilles heel, but um, UMass had 25 first downs to Arkansas State's 11. Listen, man, if Arkansas State, we, we know them as a team that, scores a lot of points and doesn't play a lot of defense. If they're struggling to score points, then I have to, I have to be the, uh, you know, one of the bobs from office space and ask Butch Jones, what do you, what do you do here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we were, we've been talking for the past couple of weeks about how this might be a, uh, you know, Butch Jones last stand in uh, f- with Arkansas state. And yeah, despite the win, I mean, to sneak past UMass is just funny. Um, and if you look at the box score, it's just like, how did they, how are they even sticking around in this game? It's a miracle. They were in this game for as long as they were. And it's just because the drives that Arkansas state, you know, in which they were actually gaining yards, they scored on other than that, it was quick three and outs. Um, so it was really like a min max game from the red wolves where they're just like, we're either going to score a touchdown and we're, or we're either going to go three and out. And that, uh, unfortunately, is just, like, really not sustainable. Um, and you came up against a very poor UMass team that ma- uh, nearly made you pay for that, um, you know, that coin flip that you take every uh, every drive. I wonder if, if, if he, let's say hypothetically, and we can talk in hypotheticals, I assume, because what we don't really care. Uh, as a site, you know, as Sunbelt podcasters, what UMass is doing, to mm-hmm. be honest. But if UMass, let's say they hit that two point conversion at the end, they tie this game, they go to overtime, and they pull out the victory. Do you think Butch Jones still has a job on Sunday? I would say yes. And my only reason being 
I mean, that was, I mean, they were this close to converting that two point conversion, right? So if his job standing was that tedious, that had they converted the two point conversion anyway, I don't think the loss would have kicked him out if playing UMass this close didn't, you know? Um, well, well, let me let me throw this at you and and, and get your your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. So, you would also have in that scenario where UMass you know comes from behind and and wins in overtime, which obviously didn't happen, and we're getting into hypotheticals at this point. But there was only so there's only so much to talk about. Um, that would also have meant that Arkansas State had blown a 35 to 19 lead in the fourth quarter. Do you think, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but like, would that have sort of been the stake through the heart is like, it's one thing to lose to UMass. It's another to potentially, and they came very close to blowing, you know, a 16 point lead mm-hmm. in 15 minutes. So I'm like, would that have been the, the sort of, I, I don't know, like I said, stake through the heart for the Butch Jones era. My only thought is that if it hasn't happened now, I don't think it will happen until the off season. Um, like if they if beating UMass by two wasn't enough, I don't think that lose it. For as close as this game was, if they were going to fire Butch Jones during the regular season, they would have done it already. And so, even though they won, playing them this close indicates to me that. They're not going to fire him until the offseason, if at all. And I could be super off base on that, but I don't think the two points, the three-point swing um, between winning and losing is that big of a deal to whoever makes these decisions. Okay. But, uh, I mean, regardless, you know, Arkansas State picks up the win, but it's not pretty, especially against the the level of competition that they mm-hmm. played against, almost blowing, like I said, a, a 16-point lead. Arkansas State improves to 3-7 and seven this season. UMass drops to 1-9. and nine. Um, Another really, really, really tight game that I was not expecting when I saw the score at halftime was Army held a 9 to nothing lead over Troy at halftime of this game. Uh, Troy ends up being able to put together literally just enough uh, offense to to beat the, the Black Knights 10-9. to I thought Troy would run away with this game because of how good their defense was, but, man, their offense makes it so difficult <laughs> to, yeah. to, to pencil them in as a, you know, this is going to be an easy you know, check the, check the box, move on type victory. Um, you know, Gunnar Watson wasn't overly impressive. He completed less than half of his passes, one touchdown, one pick. Luckily that touchdown came with eight minutes to go when he hit Tez Johnson on a three yard, uh, route to basically put the game away eventually. But, uh, the other thing I want to mention, Carlton Marshall became the all NCAA all time tackles leader, uh, he had 540, 546 was the record, or I believe, or, or it was the new record. Um, so credit to him, uh, credit to the Troy defense for adjusting and just absolutely shutting out army in the second half. We talked about last week, how, how difficult it is and how easy it is to get, you know, I guess fooled by the, uh, by the triple option in this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, obviously preparation goes into uh, is a big part of just making sure you don't fall for it. But Troy just offensively, as you mentioned, it's harder to uh, you know really put faith behind that team because it wasn't until the second half that they had a drive go more than five plays. Their their longest drive of the first half was sixteen yards, and no matter how good your defense plays, uh, that. <laughs> That's just not going to work. I mean, obviously. Um, But yeah, like you mentioned, I think just making the adjustments at half, their first drive of the second half uh, was a long one. 13 plays, 76 yards. Did end in a field goal, but still a hell of a drive. Um, So I just... This is Troy, isn't it? And this is what we've been seeing the past couple weeks. This is the identity that Troy has decided it will have. 
and I don't hate it. Uh, it's what I enjoy about football is just kind of playing, uh, you know, 10 to 7, 14 to 10 games I, I enjoy. So I'm not upset that this is the uh, the style of play that Troy has decided to um, claim its stake on. Well, you might not be, uh, you know, upset with it, but I'm sure Troy fans would very much like to win games by more than a point if, if they have the opportunity just to just to give them, you know, some peace of mind that like, hey, guys, oh, yeah. we got it. we've got this. The defense is good. They're going to keep the other team out of the end zone. But the offense, you know, Gunnar Watson or Daigie or whoever's taking the, the snaps from under center like. Guys, let's get let's give the defense more than one point of uh, of cushion, so that you know if Army breaks off a big play and kicks a chip shot field goal, this one goes completely the other direction. Yep. Um, but yeah, Troy's defense is just that good. I mean, they are. If you if you haven't seen it, you know, in the games that they've played this year, I mean, they're they're what one uh, Hail Mary away from being undefeated in the conference Mm -hmm. Um, because that was how they lost their game to app. Um, They've now reeled off. What is it? They started two and one. They're not eight and two. They've reeled off seven in a row since losing to app state, which is incredibly impressive. Um, Yeah. I think, I think I just think they, they need something on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Obviously, but it hasn't come back to beat them yet. And, you know, like I said, defense wins championships. So we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy moves to eight and two with the win. Army drops to three and six this season with the loss. Uh, let's get into this next game. Marshall defeats Appalachian State 28 uh, 21. Um, Zeke, I sent you uh, a screenshot at halftime of this game because partially because I wanted you to see it, but partially because I wanted you, I, I didn't want to forget myself mm-hmm. as to what uh, Chase Bryce's stat line was at halftime in this game. At half, Chase Bryce was two for 11 for 21 yards and an interception. Um, that's not good, which almost goes without saying, uh, but yeah, Marshall, you know, they go into halftime up 14 to seven. They sort of lay it on in the third quarter with a couple with a with a blocked punt um, and a and a touchdown pass from Cam Fancher to Corey Gamage, and that was pretty much the ball game. Um, you know, App State did a fairly good job of bottling up Kalen Laybourne, but yeah, I, uh, I I was pretty impressed with the way Cam Fancher has played this year or, or in this game specifically. And uh, Chase Bryce, man, what a what a fall from from grace uh having gone to the sunbelt title game last year yeah i mean over the past couple weeks we've both been saying why aren't they giving chase bryce the reins and you know maybe maybe they knew something we didn't because you mentioned the two for 11 start and although he kind of salvaged it in the the second half he was still uh what is that 13 for 23 in the second so it didn't get like too much better um Leiborn, I do want to just draw eyes to Laybourne's, uh, by his standards, poor game. Only 18 carries for 53 yards. Uh, I know you've been on the Laybourne train, and I've been saying I'm not sure how talented he is because uh, I I just think it may be more of the offensive line than Laybourne. And uh, this kind of game, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say it proved it, but more supported my side in that uh, in that argument. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's so much like on him as it is the fact that teams know that he, by and large, is their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, think about it. If you're a defensive coordinator, would you rather, you know, sell out to stop Kalen Laybourne and let try to let Cam Fancher beat you, which, I mean, hasn't happened often this year is Cam Fancher putting the team on his back and, and carrying them to a win. Mm-hmm. Or would you rather, you know, be like, let's let Laybourne run crazy and just hope that, you know, we can outscore them. So I don't, I don't hate the defensive strategy. I just, I'm like, I think teams are, are loading up the box and daring Cam Fancher to throw the ball. Unfortunately for app state in this game, you have a, a all time bad half 
performance from Chase Bryce, which, I mean, did not help, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have Cam Fancher turn in, I think, what what has been his best game as a as a college player thus far with 225 yards and two scores. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much – it was pick your poison. I think App chose correctly. I just think they didn't get enough from their offense to, to keep them in this game and, and to win. And Cam Fancher just sort of, you know, took advantage of what we has, have been saying is is a, you know, an underwhelming App State secondary so far this year. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, Marshall moves to six and four with the win, three and three in conference play. App is now five and five and two and four in the Sun Belt. Um, getting into this next game here, I don't think either one of us were too surprised by this final result, but uh, South Alabama. Uh, beats Texas State by 17, 38 to 21, barely covering that spread uh, that we both, I think, agreed that South Alabama would cover. Uh, Carter Bradley was pretty uh, sharp in this one. Uh, 20 of 34, 274, four touchdowns. Um, LaDamian Webb took a step back from from what he had been doing the last couple weeks, just ran for 45 yards in this game. Um yeah, man, this was a this was a good another good win by South Alabama. Uh, they, you know, for the most part, bottled up Texas State's offense. The Bobcats just had 230 yards of total offense, and South Alabama didn't turn the ball over. So, what what more could you ask for, really? Yeah, there was a point where I thought this game was going to get out of hand. Uh, end of the third quarter, South Alabama's up 24 seven, and you think, oh gosh, you know, they could make this 35 seven, 35 10. Um, but you know, Texas state got those late touchdowns, obviously, uh, too late in the game to really matter. Um, I liked that you mentioned LaDamian Webb, who's been South Alabama's leading rusher throughout most of the season, didn't contribute a ton on the ground. He had a pretty worse than pedestrian day. He was averaging uh, 2.8 yards per carry, but something that, uh, caught my eye when watching this game is he caught a couple passes and. I'm looking now at the stat line. It's only saying two, but it felt like more because they don't really use him in the passing game at all. And um, he caught two passes for 25 yards, um, although most of that came on a one 22-yard reception. Uh, But I like that they were getting him more involved in that passing offense because, uh, I mean, nothing's more lethal than – uh, a guy that can catch passes and run for a hundred, you know, hundred twenty yards, like he's been doing. Sure. Um, the further we get away from the App State Texas State game, the more that game looks like an aberration. Even considering how bad App has been as of late. I mean, mm-hmm. Texas State they kept it fairly close with Troy, but we've talked about Troy's uh, offensive struggles ad nauseum. So I guess we shouldn't have been too surprised by the final score, but. You know, the last two weeks, uh, or the two weeks before, it was like Southern Miss, they lost by six. UL Monroe, they lost by a point. So it, it was like, you know, as as bad as Texas State has been in years past, it felt like this year's team, they weren't going to be good, but they had, like, juice to them. You know, like they didn't feel like they were totally dead. But this game, I mean, just shows the difference in tiers of the West where it's, Texas State's down at the bottom, and South Alabama's one of the top two, and that's just sort of how it is. Yeah. Um, and and te- and South Alabama does a good job of of you know they score enough points. They're not they're sort of the antithesis of uh, of Troy. It's like if you took a little bit of defense from Troy, you know, if, if you moved a little bit of talent from the defense to the offense, you would have South Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, like I said, not really surprising, but South Alabama moves to eight and two the season, five and one in the Sun Belt. Texas State drops to three and seven and is now one and five in Sun Belt play. Um, getting into the last game of the night here, uh, Coastal Carolina uh, kept it close, probably a lot closer than everybody would have thought um, against Southern Miss. I will say, um, Grayson McCall did not play, he had a boot on his uh, ankle. They have said he will miss the rest of the regular season, I guess, which is only like a couple more weeks against Virginia and James Madison. Um, I think it's still yet to be determined whether he'll be back for the Sun Belt Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jarrett Guest, if this is the future of 
of uh, Coastal as far as the season goes, and, and McCall can't suit up for whatever reason, um, we might as well just give the, the Sunbelt title to Trey <laughs> because <laughs> a guy throwing for six, 163 and getting picked off twice, like Southern Miss is not Troy. You are not going to get away with that. Let's just yeah. say that. Yeah, this is what I was alluding to when I was talking about how good JMU looked with Centeo back. Uh, Coastal, I mean, they scored 26 points, but against Southern Miss, that's just not nearly enough. There was a period uh, where you thought, oh gosh, much like the uh, last game we talked about, where you thought, oh gosh, this could get ugly. Coastal was leading 17 nothing at one point, but then uh, Guest threw an interception, his first of the game, um, and... Uh, uh, it just kind of tumbled from there where the teams were exchanging field goals, exchanging touchdowns uh, throughout. Um, it's interesting because Guest wasn't good. I mean, 7 for 14 for 163, uh, that's a lot of yards on that many passing uh, attempts. But he threw two picks on only 14 attempts. Um, mm-hmm. So... Uh, Obviously, there's a giant drop down from guest to, um, or from McCall to guest, but Coastal didn't even try to, you know, stick with the game plan and give guest some more passing attempts. And again, I mean, throughout the game, he kind of proved that he didn't necessarily deserve them. But that's what stood out to me is that Coastal was like, screw it. We don't have McCall. We're just going to run it. Um, you know, gave it to Brees Wright 12, uh, Brees, White, sorry, 12 times. Bryce Carpenter had eight carries, um, and they ran the ball 42 times total. So they just kind of abandoned that, uh, that passing game and may have been for the better, but without Grayson McCall, the future looks very grim. Yeah, you were talking about why they sort of went away from the letting guests throw the ball, and I was going to jump in and say, well, because they wanted to win the football game. Yeah, I mean, Um, he didn't deserve more reps, but... No. Uh, At this point, if it really comes down to it, and I'm making... I'm going to throw my opinion in on what Coastal should do. I think if you are going to not have Grayson McCall, I think you should just let Bryce Carpenter run the weird single wing wildcat whatever offense that mm-hmm. he did for a couple drives against at because whatever that was is way more he's closer to like a Taysom Hill type player um and whatever that is it's way more effective than whatever they got throwing the football from Jared Guest in yeah. this game um like you said uh Reese White had those two touchdowns including the the eventual you know I guess game winner with nine minutes to go um, Trey Lowe for Southern Miss played fairly well. I mean, he, he this has got to be one of the better quarterback performances we've seen out of a Southern Miss, uh, you know, passer this season. 295 and a touchdown. Didn't turn the ball over. Um, completed over half his passes. As far as Southern Miss goes, man, I, I'm going to give them a thumbs up for that because their offensive or, you know, offensive output from the quarterback position has just been so dismal this year that like anything is better than, than what they've been getting from Zach Wilkie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, it was good that coastal, I guess was able to win this game, even though it doesn't really matter at this point because they're going to represent the East in the Sunbelt title game. But, uh, coastal moves to nine and one and six and one in Sunbelt play. Southern Miss drops to five and five and three and three in the conference. Uh, so let's get into week 12. We are wrapping up the regular season. We only have a couple more weeks here of football uh, before we jump into bowl season. Uh, let's start off noon on Saturday. Louisiana is going to travel to Tallahassee to take on number 23, Florida State. Uh, Florida State is a 23-and-a-half-point favorite over under is 52. I think I'll take Louisiana plus 23-and-a-half and and just hope that, like, Florida State gets bored and just allows Louisiana to to score. But I I don't feel great about the chances of that happening, but I also don't – I don't feel great about Louisiana's offense in total – even despite what they did against Georgia Southern's terrible defense. Yeah, I, I try to shy away from spreads this big because they're just really obscenely high and 
in these sorts of games where you feel like you have a clear winner, you don't know what's going to happen in the, you know, the fourth quarter. Are they going to slow it down? Are they going to throw in the backups? But uh, you mentioned Florida State getting bored. Over their past couple games, they haven't. The Seminoles beat Syracuse 38-3. They beat Miami 45-3. They beat Georgia Tech 41-16. So uh, obviously, I guess, because those are uh, a bit more meaningful games than uh, Louisiana will in terms of just, you know, conference play, but they haven't shown that they're going to lay off the gas. They beat Boston College 44-14. to uh, So ah, as much as I hate to say that, I'll take the minus 23 and a half. Okay, I'm 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 actually gonna flip and and take Florida State as well. I didn't I hadn't kept up their with their last two games or last three games after they lost to Clemson. Yep. Um, but yeah, like you said, they've just been killing teams as of late. So yeah, I'll take I'll take Florida State. I think Louisiana is going to be lucky if they score two touchdowns in this game, um, which is pretty crazy because coming in, I think I said that Mike Norvell may have been on the hot seat coming into this season. And yeah. like I said, other than losses to ranked teams like Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson, I mean, they've been straight up killing ACC schools uh, this season. But, um, yeah, so let's get into the 2 o'clock kickoff. Uh, James Madison plays Georgia State. James Madison's a 9.5-point favorite. James Madison minus 9.5 is going to be my absolute lock of the millennium um james madison it with todd centeo under center like you've said is a completely different football team their defense looked a lot better in last week against old dominion looked what what we had come to expect from them and georgia state Georgia State, it's like offense is a lot of like empty calories. Like we, it's a lot of yardage. It's not a ton of actual meaningful points scored and things like that. So, give me James Madison minus nine and a half. I think they blow out Georgia State here at home. I I think I agree with you, especially with Centeno back. My only pause there is that Georgia State needs to win out to make a bowl game. And with them playing Marshall after James Madison, Marshall's a winnable game. So I've got I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how much of, I don't know how much fire in the belly is going to impact this game. I, I think I agree with you, James Madison minus nine and a half. But I see a world in which Georgia State not only covers but does win, just purely because these next two games mean a ton to them. I was about to say. I- I, I don't know what to tell you, but <laughs> James Madison's going to win this game. I don't care. Like, it's sad that, I mean, not sad, but Georgia State's lost a bunch of games this year that they could have easily been on the other end of. You know, mm-hmm. Charlotte comes to mind. Last week against ULM comes to mind. They had their chances. Yeah. Taking it down to the wire and having to beat James Madison and Marshall back to back is a lot of pressure to have to pull off. And I just don't. I don't see it, especially against James Madison, who, when Centeno is under center, is one of the two best teams in the East. And I don't yeah. think that's that crazy to say. But, um, yeah. I'm not holding my breath for it, but it's a possibility. I just don't see if, – if you were catching the Billy Atkins-James Madison team, mm-hmm. I'd be right there with you. I, I think Georgia State would win. But – James Madison with Centeno, man, outside of the Georgia Southern game, um, you know, he hasn't really played. He didn't really play against – he didn't play at all against Marshall when they lost. And then Louisville was kind of a wash. They were sort of outmatched from the from the get-go. But they've, they've truly lost one game this season with Centeno at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it was in a shootout with Georgia Southern. I just don't see a way that Georgia State keeps up with James Madison, to be totally honest. Um, so getting into this next game here, uh, old dominion is going to travel to Boone to take on app state. Both these teams sort of licking their wounds as the, as the season winds down app is a 15 and a half point favorite, uh, over under 50 and a half. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take the under of 50 and a half, uh, old dominion can't score. App State has been offensively um, deficient 
I guess the last couple weeks, they scored 28 against Coastal. They scored 21 against Marshall. Um, I could just see App going up like 21 to zero and then just sort of taking their foot off the gas and just running the ball the rest of the game. So I don't want to touch the spread because 15 and a half is a lot, even though Old Dominion's offense can't do anything without Ollie Jennings. But mm-hmm. I'll take the under of 50 and a half. I just don't see Old Dominion, unless App scores 51, I just don't see a way that Old Dominion kicks in enough points to hit the over. Yeah, I was going to ask, how many points do you think App State is realistically going to need to score if the over were to hit? Like, where do you draw the line? Do you think Old Dominion's going to hit four? I mean, obviously, you said 51. You think they're going to get shut out realistically? No, I, I think realistically, if, if you were rooting for the over, I think App has to score 38. Okay. Like, yeah. I think Old Dominion would have to score two offensive touchdowns because any more than that, and I feel like App would just get bored, like I said, and would just put in their backup and just run the football every down. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Just wanted to pick your brain. I mean, this old Dominion team over the last three weeks, three zero and seventeen points. Um, I feel comfortable taking App State at minus fifteen and a half, and I, I'm with you on the under as well. I was just trying to pick your brain there. Um, old Dominion, as you said, just can't can't that's score. Why, that's mostly why is just I don't I don't believe in that old Dominion will kick in much of anything. Points was there was a point in the season I would say maybe week one week two especially coming off that UNC game where I would take App State no matter how bad old or, or take the over no matter how bad Old Dominion's offense is but they've just been kind of stagnant for their standards over the past couple weeks especially uh, within the Sun Belt so uh, yeah I'm with you I'll take the same picks um, minus fifteen and a half and under fifty. Yeah, I think a lot of people would just say that like the play calling is stagnant. Chase Bryce has regressed a lot from last year. Obviously, he doesn't have the same. We've we've talked about how he doesn't have the same receiving uh, core mm-hmm. caliber of receiving weapons as he did last year. I think I think just the talent deficiency from last year to this year um, is. Just, not enough to to cover a spread this bit. Well, I think that they could cover this spread. I just don't. They're not going to hit a lot of overs, especially when the other team can't score points at all. Yep. So it is. It sort of is what it is. Um. So I want to get into this next game here, but i i have a I have a question. So was set to go to Charlottesville to take on Virginia with the. With the news coming out of Charlottesville with the, the shooting and everything that just came out today, there's no chance they play this game, correct? Like, I, I would hope not. I, I would really, really hope they don't. I just don't see a way that, that Virginia – that they would require Virginia to turn around in six weeks – or six days, rather, and play this game. I just don't and, – and there's no reason to. I mean, it's out-of-conference – Coastal Carolina is going to pick, you know, is there to pick up a check essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope they don't either. Um, I, I don't know. Should we talk about this game? I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't really know a way to talk about this game to be. Totally I, I, I don't, I don't know what is appropriate to, you know, talk about within the context. Like you mentioned, if this was a, was a conference game for Virginia, I could see an argument not that I would agree with it, but I could see an argument for maybe moving the game out of Charlottesville to the other stadium and playing. But with this game being meaningless, especially for where these two teams are, I mean, Coastal, as you've said before, and we'll, I mean, we'll say again, is probably the best team in the East. And Virginia, not good, uh, three and seven. So all I can do is hope they don't play this football game. And if they do, I would. I hope the players speak out against that. Yeah, it, it's it seems, especially like I said with the news, it seems totally superfluous to have this game, and it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, like you know, our thoughts and prayers are with you know the victims and their families and stuff like that with with the the shooting that went down. But yeah, it, this game just doesn't need to be played. Like both teams could just take the week off and get back to it if they you know virginia could cancel the rest of the season it wouldn't be egregious Mm -hmm. you know so 
yeah, I, I think they should just, you know, sort of just come to a conclusion of like, we'll just skip this game and move on. Um, so, yeah. Uh, getting into our next Sunbelt game here, South Alabama is traveling to Hattiesburg to take on Southern Miss. Uh, the Jaguars are a seven and a half point road favorite over unders 45 and a half. I think I'll take the over of 45 and a half in this one. I think South Alabama also covers the spread. Um, I think South Alabama clearly has enough offense to, to give, uh, you know, Southern Miss a run. And I think Southern Miss can score just enough to, to help out sort of the exact opposite of old dominion. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think the over 45 and a half, I just don't see a way that this game is a defensive, you know, 10 to nine Troy style slugfest game. Yeah, it's going to be uh, pretty high scoring. I I just really hope Southern Miss can kind of ride high off of that Coastal game. Obviously, it's a, a bit anomalous with the Grayson McCall injury, and but it seems like they got a little bit out of their passing game uh, when all season they've been getting nothing. And uh, if, um, if Trey Lau can kind of come back and – put up again it wasn't a spectacular performance 30 uh, 19 for 36 but if he can come back and put up another passable game uh, i think you will cover the uh the over but at the same time south alabama is just comprehensively a, a better football team and should easily win this by a minimum of 10 points yeah i agree um Getting into this next game here troy is taking on UL Monroe in Troy Alabama uh, Troy is a 15 and a half point favorite uh, over under is 48. I feel like 15 and a half. Like I like Troy. Like you said, uh, I, I do enjoy, uh, you know, watching a defensive uh, minded team play with that said 15 and a half just seems like a lot of points for them because unless their defense is kicking in some of those points, like the biggest win they've had in the last, let's say, four weeks the last month has been six points against Louisiana I just don't I don't see them outscoring UL Monroe by 15 and a half so I'll take UL Monroe plus 15 and a half I think Troy wins this game but that seems like a lot of points for a team that is offensively deficient yeah uh, I agree with you I there's just no chance Troy doesn't beat teams by 15 and a half and that's okay but they just don't. It's, uh, so for the spread to be that great is um, a little puzzling. And to that same note, at 48, I understand you can't put the over-under in the 30s, but 48 points are not going to be scored in this football game. There, there, there's zero sh- chance of that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see that happening either. Um, but yeah, Troy is not going to cover the spread, I don't think, unless... Mm-hmm. Gunner, like, Gunnar Watson, we are... 10 games into this season, he has by and large been their starting quarterback. He does not even average one touchdown pass per game to this point in the season. So that should just sort of tell you where Troy's offense is at, uh, even if their defense is like a an all, you know, Sunbelt collection of players, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting into uh, the 5 o'clock Eastern time kick, uh, battle for the bottom of the West as Arkansas State travels to San Marcos to take on Texas State. Texas State's a five-and-a-half-point favorite over unders 51. I'm going to take the over, and I'm not even going to pick a winner of this game because I think it would be Texas State, but I don't feel comfortable <laughs> picking either of these teams to win at this stage in the season and how they look. But I do think that both of them can score enough points to hit the over of 51. Yeah. I, I agree with you that I think Texas State, you know, I feel real uneasy saying Texas State's going to win a football game, but I, I have to agree with you on that take just because even if you look at their last couple weeks, they're losing games, but they're not losing m- monstrously, you know? They only lost to uh, you, uh, uh, South Alabama by 17, you say only. You know, lost to UL Monroe, only one. Southern Miss, only six. Um, and then you look over at Arkansas, who's losing to teams by 20 points, by, by you know, 22 points. So I think Arkansas State's just going to – might just be that smidge better than – Arkansas or Texas State's going to be that smidge better 
than uh, Arkansas State. Except, excited to see, though, what Lane Hatcher does. Maybe he has himself a bit of a vengeance game against his old team. I think he will. I, Arkansas State has just been so depressing mm-hmm. this year. Um, you know, they were lucky to edge out UMass. Their best win of the season was a 17-point win over Ewell Monroe. Um, give me Texas 8 minus 5.5. I think I think they win this game by a touchdown. Um, and Arkansas State has just sort of been sputtering as of late, like you said. So, yeah, mm-hmm. give me Texas State in the over. Um, and then the last game of the night, uh, 6 o'clock Eastern time, Marshall is traveling to uh, Paulson Stadium in Statesboro to take on the Eagles. Marshall's a four-point favorite. Give me Marshall uh, minus four. Uh, Kaylin Laybourne will be pushing to set a single-game Sunbelt rushing record in this because ZQ may not be his biggest uh, fan, but Georgia's <laughs> run defense is simply that bad. And Kalen Laybourne has been good this season. I think he leads all rushers in the Sun Belt in yardage at this point in the season. Um, and yeah, it's just a bad style matchup for the Eagles. Uh, this would have to be another JMU style game for them to come away with a win where they're going to have to score, you know, 45 to keep up with Marshall. But I think Laybourne is just going to absolutely shred them on the ground. So Marshall minus four all day. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, Cam Fancher can be as mediocre as he wants to be, although he's coming off, as you mentioned earlier, one of a one of his better weeks of his career, let alone uh, let alone the season. But I mean, Fancher can put up another, you know, five fifty percent, you know, hundred and seventy some odd yard game, and Laybourne's just going to cut through Georgia Southern like it's hot butter, and uh, you know, score three touchdowns. And I think this could very well be a route because I, I like Marshall's defense quite a lot. Yeah, I don't think this one's going to be very close. And like I said, Laybourne, I mean, think about some of these other performances that, that running backs have had against Georgia Southern. I mean, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, Damian Webb for South Alabama runs for 243, 247-4. and four. Uh, Earlier this season, uh, UAB's running back, Dwayne McBride, ran for 223-4. and four. I, think, I think there is a chance – whatever – I need, I'm going to look up the Sunbelt all-time single-game rushing record. I think that if if Marshall really wants to do it, Laybourne could have 300 yards rushing in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, joke. Um, yeah, so right. we'll we'll have to see. Uh, as we sort of wrap up here, Zeke, are there any uh, any matchup? It's sort of a slim week, uh, slim pickings. Is there is there any sort of matchups that sort of catch your eye at this point? Uh, none jump off the page is, Hey, this is going to be the game of the week. Uh, because I feel like just top to bottom, you kind of have a good understanding of how the game's going to go. Um, uh, I'm going to take South Alabama Southern Miss because as we mentioned, Southern Miss found a little bit of offense last week. And I'd be curious if, um, against, uh, if they can continue that against a, a defense that by no means bad, but they're not 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 a great defense in South Alabama, so I think uh, USA USM is going to be my uh, my matchup to really keep an eye on. I think just by by virtue of the fact that I I'm going to have to pick a game, uh, I think Georgia State James Madison is going to be my choice just because of the sort of those reasons that you mentioned earlier. It's Georgia State just absolutely needs two wins to to get a, a bowl game in the books. James Madison with Centeo under center has looked like a killer outside of one game this year. Um, so I'm interested to see also interested. I'm always interested anytime that Georgia state suits up. Are we getting good Darren Granger? Are we getting, (laughs) you know, Joker Darren Granger where it's like, I'm going to complete a third of my passes and then just disappear. So we'll, we'll have to see how that all uh, plays out. But Zeke, as we sort of wrap up here, Tell folks where they can find you on social media. I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. We post about the podcast there. Post uh, my Georgia uh, State preview and reviews for all their games and uh, any other sports musings uh, out there on Twitter. Brian, how about you? And are you going to be able to keep your Twitter verification? Uh, I think so, and it's because I'm not – 
I got verified for being a member of the media, not because I paid for Twitter Blue. Right. So I I haven't gotten an email yet saying that they're asking for money. So we'll have to see. But uh, I think the people that are verified through the media don't have to pay. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. Whole thing's but, uh, yeah. Man. yeah, the whole thing's crazy right now. <laughs> Nobody knows what's going on on a day-to-day basis, and Musk just keeps making up rules like every day. And, and some of them contradict the other rules. Who knows? Oh, um, <laughs> maybe I'll have to throw that I'm a parody account in my, right. <laughs> in my and bio to, to stay online. Uh, a parody of myself. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. We will be back next week for another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Podcast.